Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey, welcome back to Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. This is Mark Stevenson from Cold Essie. And I'm Mark Vila with Coleman and & Company, and today we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes made starting an embroidery business. This is kind of a long list, and I hate to say it because it's not just the embroidery business that new entrepreneurs and new businesses make mistakes in, it's every business. So what we're going to talk about today, this list of things not to do, applies to just about any business that you want to get into. And we see these mistakes happening on a daily basis. Every single day here between our two, the two companies that we're a part of, new businesses are being started, new ideas are being created with these mistakes being made. Not everybody is making them, but every day these mistakes are being made. So hopefully we can provide a, a list. Uh, it's a long list, but hopefully we'll narrow, narrow it down <laughs> to a brief, definable number. And then you can maybe not make some of those mistakes. And that would be the goal of this podcast. I would love that for you. Okay, so let's start with my pet peeve. And I'm sure uh, Mark agrees with me because we talked about it beforehand and are just pretending this is off the cuff, um, is no plan on how to get customers. I mean, as a marketing professional, this is, this is where I personally would start my business, is what is the business going to be? Who am I going to sell to? The, the questions are, what am I going to make, what am I going to do, and who am I going to sell to? Yeah, and, and, I, and having sold embroidery equipment for some years uh, on a consistent basis, it's, I like embroidery, it's really cool, it looks awesome, I'm kind of a creator inside, I'm an artist inside, or I saw it at the mall, whatever it might be, and I want to do this. Right. So you invest in the equipment because you want to do it and you learn how to use it, all these things, and now it's, you know, and now it's, what am I going to do next? How am I going to make any money? You, there's, you've already spent $10,000, $20,000 with nothing written down on how you're going to start. And that's a recipe for failure. I mean, not everyone fails when they start that way, but it is a high percentage. Because not only do you need to know what you want to do, because you might be a home embroiderer that wants to expand in the commercial space, you may be a sign shop that wants to add embroidery, or you may not know anything about this business and you see a company that you work with order $4,000 worth of logo polos and want a, want a piece of the action. That may be it. But unless you write down how you're going to get your customers and what your market's going to be, then you're never going to find those people. Uh, what I've said before, and uh, Mark and I had spoke about this earlier, and I've said this hundreds of times, to folks in the business is you don't need a full outline, a professionally drawn up business plan that you need to present to investors, but you need some core ideas and you need some good concepts on where are you going to get some of this business? What are some ideas you're going to get? We have a previous podcast on, uh, on social, not social media marketing that right. talks a little bit about that, but what are some, where are some places you're going to go? And this reminds me of an example that, just ran into recently, just this just this past week, of a young lady that we know who 
invested in an embroidery machine. She had seen them, got excited about them, thought it was really cool. This is a way I can make money. Saw the profitability and how much it costs to make versus how much it's worth. And got a machine. Got trained. And I kind of came up to her. I said, so what's the plan? What are you going to do? Like, And she said, well, we'll sell to businesses. Right. That's not enough. Right. You, you've got to have something going for you. So Mark was right. It's great to write these things down. And I'm not going to call it a marketing plan, but I would at least call it like a marketing target and to-do list. That's probably, if you don't take anything away, anything else away from this podcast and you stop listening right now, what I want you to do if you've just purchased equipment or if you're looking at getting into any kind of a business is pull the car over, pull out a legal pad and write down who you're going to sell to and how much you're going to sell it for. Yeah, and, and uh, one thing that I find that that becomes a roadblock is is where do I start writing this? Especially if you've never written a business plan before, if you've never been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur before. Where do you start? Uh, so I think the answer to that is just, just start writing some ideas. Just say, I want to get, I want to sell to these people. Right. And I can reach them this way. And if you, if the more you can expand on that, meaning that if you have an idea, well, I, I make these awesome tote bags. Right. Okay. Who buys them? What are they worth? What do you think they're, if you could, re, what do you think they're realistically you could sell it for? Well, $100. Maybe. Start there. Fine. You know, um, but then you could also do a little bit of research. You know, is anybody else selling them? Right. Is anyone else selling to this group? So just start writing things down, and it and these are your notes for just you. So they can be embarrassing because nobody's right. going to see them. I, I guess if you if you're not even there yet, just picture this. Close your eyes unless you're driving, and 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 picture this. You have just taken delivery of your commercial embroidery machine. You've spent the money. You've gone to training. It's been a week. You've played with a machine, you can embroider a logo, you can use the digitizing software, all of that stuff. It's been a week. Week number two, what are you going to do? Are you going to pick up the phone and call people to see if they need embroidery work? Are you going to go visit with friends and businesses that you know in the area? Uh, are you going to work on a website or a Facebook page to kind of get a, a little marketing juice out there so maybe you can find some new customers. What are you going to do on week two? And that goes to what am I going to sell, what am I going to, am I going to embroider, who am I going to sell it to, and how much I'm going to charge. And one other thing that in, in, I would add to this concept before we move to the next one is don't depend on your awesome idea going viral just by like all of a sudden your friend buys this bag because I'm willing to bet that it is great. Right. You know, I'm going to bet money that when somebody calls me up and they say, I make this stuff, this art is great. I'm an artist. I do these things. I make these tote bags. They're beautiful. But with, I immediately, I believe them immediately. And that's kind of, you know, that's the optimist in me. I say, you know what? They probably are really nice. That doesn't mean that you're going to sell one. Then all of a sudden it's going to be boom, boom, boom. It generally doesn't work that way. Right. And if your plan is, I will be completely honest with you, because Mark and I spend a the bulk of our time, really, trying to figure out ways to get people to come to our websites. 
and we manage a lot of websites between us. If your plan is to take a picture of that cool design on the cool bag and put it up on the internet somewhere somehow and then just wait for the leads and the orders to pile in, that is just it's just not going to happen. It it's the it to me it is the it's uh, like an artist, like a musician. So you can write a fantastic song and put it on YouTube and you might get eight views. Right. Now somebody's gonna get a million views. You know, Gangnam style is gonna get is gonna be the number oh, one video ever. Bring that up? Right. It's gonna be the number one video ever on YouTube. And it, it's it's that's the exception to the rule. So you're not gonna be Psy. You know, more than likely you're not going to be Psy. More than likely you're gonna be like the other guy who's equally or more talented than him. That it just didn't it just go. Didn't happen. It just yeah. didn't happen. So don't depend on being the exception. If you are, awesome. Yeah, you that's know, fantastic. that's my opinion. <laughs> so I will tell you the other part of this. You know, the, this no plan part is important. Uh, can we talk about no budget for a second? Yeah, I think we need to. Because I've got another story for you. And Cold Essie and Coleman and Company, not only do we deal with entrepreneurs all the time, but it's it's infectious. I know both Mark and I have, have and have had side businesses and a lot of the employees here, they buy machines and they go into business. It just happens. So this is another person who's no longer here that ended up going into the rhinestone business. Mm -hmm. And she had a great thing going. Not only did she have a creative talent, but she had a great market picked, and it was breast cancer awareness. She was part of a big organization that did that kind of uh, promotional items, or, or they did those runs and the marches, and they sold gear towards raising money for breast cancer awareness. And it's a great cause. She had a great product. What she didn't have is any financing or any money to get the word out. So she had a full-time job. She was doing it nights and weekends. And she ended up with this kind of I want to say kind of a, a knee-jerk marketing. Mm -hmm. So okay. there was no website, there was no call plan, there was no marketing plan of any kind, but there was a big trade show coming up in, in Orlando, Florida, based around the cause that she was into. So she actually took money out of her 401k to finance going to this trade show. And she made enough money to pay for the trade show and never made an additional dime from it. So here's a here here's something where not having a marketing plan and not having a budget for advertising or marketing caught up to her and she's not in the business anymore. That's happens too often, right? You know, and it's heartbreaking. So I I think there's a couple of rules. For one, if you don't have a big budget, you need to have the time. So you need to have time or money, preferably both. But if you don't have a ton of money, it doesn't mean that you can't re reach your dream, but you've got to have the time, which means that you might have to physically knock on doors, walk into places, attend event after event, attend every HOA meeting, attend every you know community meeting. The, the time might be the only thing that you have, which can work. Right. Um, but you still need to have some money aside because you're going. There are th some tentpole things that you really are going to need to have. For example, if you've got the opportunity to go to a trade show that could be successful for you and no money to do it, 
that's that's going to be a stumbling block for you. That's money you could have earned. Uh, and then the other rule with it is any money that you are going to put aside for marketing, you have to be 100% prepared to lose it all. Yeah, because marketing never works the first time. Yeah. Almost never. Yeah, and you have to say that I've got $1,000, $10,000, $500, and say... This, this isn't money that I need to pay my bills next month. This is money that I'm going to invest in my business, and I might get zero back. Think about a budget, whatever it is for marketing, like it's your budget for supplies. You cannot run an embroidery business if you do not buy backing. Yeah. You will not be successful in an embroidery business if you do not spend some amount of money on marketing. Okay, so, and when I say money, let's call it capital. Mm -hmm. So whether or not it's human capital, which is your time, so you set aside, you know, five to eight to ten hours a week, either on the phone or in person trying to find new customers, spending money on gas, or it's money that you spend on pay-per-click advertising, or it's money that you spend on attending a trade show, or renting a table at a flea market, or whatever fits with that first part of the plan that you're going to do, you're going to have to have some kind of a, of a budget to back that up. And, and, and that budget money then turns right into the next mistake, I think, which is that not doing the math ahead of time for your business. Yeah, that is a huge concern. Uh, I'm married to an accountant, which is the, o- it's the only reason that I actually can afford to wash my clothes is because if not, I'm a marketing guy, I will just spend money on everything that I see, and she keeps the reins in and helps me figure out how much everything costs and how much it's really worth. I think that one of the key indicators that people don't do the math is that a lot? We've got a very good article, a couple of very good articles about how to price embroidery work, and they are by far the top search results that bring people to one of our embroidery websites. Absolutely, and it's a question that is asked so much, and and I guess you know, I guess behind it all, really, what's confusing is that is that for one. You know, there's there's not one rule, which I think is a hard part. Yes. Because the, what you need to do is you're going to go onto a forum or you're going to read an article and you're going to say, how do I price my embroidery work? And if you ask that, we just saw this, I believe, on the, CA, on the CAS Facebook, the Customer Apparel Startups Facebook. Yes. I believe we just saw it. So one of the responses was double your costs. Great. That might work for you. It might not. And, and the comment that I had written on there was, if you're in Miami versus a small town in Indiana versus New York City versus Tampa, Florida, you're probably going to have four different prices for the same exact thing. Because your costs are going to be different. Your costs are going to be different. Your competition is going to be different. Supply and demand is going to be different. But, but let me tell you the, the disappointing part about those kinds of articles and those kind of comments being our most, some of our most popular search results. The disappointing part is it is almost always someone that already has an embroidery machine. Yeah. It's almost always someone that it's week two, like we talked about. They got their training, got their embroidery machine, and someone calls them up and they want a price on 12 shirts. And they have no idea what to do next. 
Well, I have, I, I'm trying to remember now. Now I'm sitting here and I'm trying to remember of all the phone calls that I've taken in the supply business, how many people have called up doing a little bit of research? Calling, and, and I can't think of one. No. Of somebody who's called up and said, you sell thread and backing, right? What's it going to cost me to make a hat? What do people sell that for? Uh, and you, again, you don't have to have it right the first time, but you've got to have something. Right, so we're building a <laughs> we're we're building a good a good list here. So now we've got, you know, the the answer to no marketing plan to know how to get customers is you've got to start with writing stuff down. We talked about a few things that you're going to write down. How are you going to get customers? Uh, how much stuff is going to cost? You're going to set aside some money or some time for your marketing budget, and now you need to make sure that you need to know the math of your business. How much are you going to charge for your work? And that doesn't just include doubling your cost. That drives me crazy because doubling your cost means you're going to buy the shirt, mm-hmm. and then you're going to add up how many stitches it is, and you're going to price that, and then you're going to add in the backing. But what you're not going to do is you're not going to add in how much you want to make an hour. Yes. How much is your time? How much does it cost for you to get that customer? How much time do you spend on the phone getting the order, placing the order? Do you deliver the order yourself? What's the shipping cost? You know, all of those things that go into not pricing this job, but pricing your business out yeah. so you're profitable and successful. Well, how many shirts are you, out of, out of 100 shirts that you embroider, how many are you going to throw away because you made a mistake? It does happen. You will make some mistakes. You know, so all of those are a part of the cost, plus that math doesn't work. Because it's simple as this. If I buy just a regular snapback cap, generic brand, you can get it for about two bucks maybe, three bucks for right. a decent one. You're going to put a nickel and stitches in there. You've made no money if you sold that for $4. Right, because it's going to take you 12 minutes to sew out the hat. It's going to take you time to hoop it up. It's going to take you time to process the order. You can't survive that way. Yeah. And that's specifically why people go out of business. And, and so I think one of the things that you do in the math is you, is you can start backwards and say, this is how much I need to make a living, so I need to pay myself this. This is how much it costs to run my business, electricity, the gas, shipping costs, supplies, all of that stuff. So there's a, there's your costs because what you have to pay yourself is a cost. I heard a, I heard a story on a video on YouTube that that I'm going to repeat here. I'll plagiarize it completely. (laughs) And that's a a conversation took place from this uh, embroidery professional and one of his customers. And this pro was trying to get an idea of the size of the embroidery business. And the woman that he was talking to says, well, I have three employees it says, okay, who are your employees? Tell, them, tell me about them. What do they do? It says, well, one employee is my husband. He works for me five hours a night after he gets off of his regular job. And the other employee is my mom who works for me on the weekends and helps packing and shipping. The next question was, how much do you pay them? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is I don't. The answer yeah. is I don't. You know, the answer is I give my mom gas money or I make dinner for her. Okay, that's, no, that's not a business. You're not pricing in the labor, not only your labor, but whatever friends and family are going to help you get started. If you can't, maybe not be profitable right off the bat, 
But if you can't draw a map of how you're going to get to profitability, then you're never going to get to profitability. And and the scalability right. of that. So you say, well, what happens if my orders triple? What am I going to do? Did you factor in the cost that, well, no longer is your husband going to be able to, because he can't work 10 hours after his 8 hours. He needs, he needs to sleep and eat at some point in time. I mean, if you like him, if you're fond of him. Yeah. And the same thing goes for the wife, although I find that they usually have more sense than to do that. So. <laughs> and and you, so you've got to say, well, what if, if my doubles or if my orders double or triple or quadruple or I get a 500-shirt order, how am I going to do that? Well, you could do some of the work yourself, of course. Are you going to need help? Probably. Did you factor in, in that cost? Well, now I'm going to actually have to pay somebody. Yes. It might not be a stranger, you know, it might be your friend's son uh, or, or whatever it might be, but you're going to have to figure out, well, I'm going to have to pay somebody. What am I going to pay him? I'm going to pay him $10 an hour, and it's going to take this many hours. Is, the, is that built into the price? You, you can almost look at this as, as a dream big scenario. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to do all those basics of, you know, how you're going to get customers, you know, how much time or how much money you're going to spend on marketing. Uh, you... You're going to do the math into the future. You know, you're going to kind of, what's the best case scenario for you over the next year, and how are you going to get there? And once again, we're not talking about you getting out an Excel spreadsheet, and in month four and a half, or in week 57, I'm going to make this many sales and this much money, which is kind of a traditional budget and marketing plan. You're just going to do the outline so you know you have a good idea of what you're going to do and how you're going to price that work. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to my next point on the list, and that's no accounting. And that is related to what we've been talking about, but it's not exactly what we've been talking about. When I say no accounting, as I mentioned, my wife is an accountant, so she beats it into me all the time, literally and figuratively. The no accounting is that you don't have a way to do a quote do an invoice, keep track of your supplies, figure out what you're going to need for the next month and for the next order. It's on on the and the supply side thing rings rings true to me so much because I deal with it every day. I just Shocker. sent out an email uh, to folks that do direct to garment printing, and I had said, "Check your ink supply." That's what the email was. Check your ink supply. Why? Because every single day we send out ink overnighted to somebody gallons of stuff uh, we just had an order yesterday they spent hundreds of dollars to o- to overnight this this ink over to their business because the accounting wasn't there if you're going through supplies if you're in an embroidery business and you're going through and you're going through bobbins and thread you're keeping track of what you're using you're, you're keeping track of all your invoices how much and and then you get to the supply side and you have reorder times so all too often when you're not going through all those steps that you mentioned, you, you're, you hit blocks all across the way. Yeah, let me describe to you what this could mean for your cash flow and for your business. That ink order that Mark just mentioned that was several hundred dollars, if that would have been ordered in advance, you would have gotten free ground shipping. Yes. Instead of paying a couple of hundred dollars to have it overnighted. Now, especially when you're first starting out, I know it can be a little bit painful to break off some cash for supply inventories, but imagine what it would do your first couple of weeks of business 
to spend two or three hundred dollars on freight charges unnecessarily just because you weren't keeping track. Well, we'll have somebody call us up and say, I need better pricing on X product. Okay, well, what are you looking for? What's the issue? Whatever it is, we discuss it. And and maybe we reach an agreement where they say, okay, well, if you buy this much, that will qualify you for a discount. Okay, great. All right, I need that overnighted to Indiana. <laughs> well, you, all that savings that you just earned yourself because you bought in bulk, right? you, you lost all all of it because because you, you weren't prepared ahead of time. So, and the other thing I have, I have an example that's not related to embroidery, but this is exactly it. And this is why it rings true for all businesses, like we mentioned earlier. There's a gentleman that I work with that has done helped me do some construction work on my house. He's a young guy. He just moved to Florida, so he's just getting his business up and running, and he's great. He does good work. He's he's what a contractor should be, and I, and I said. I'm a little older. I'm not that much older than you, but I know that he's about 12 or 13 years younger than me. I said, I know where I was then. I said, organize yourself. I said, what do you do? I said, I paid you in cash. You know? Yes. And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't need a receipt or anything like that. I said, but when you do the work for the parks department, because you just told me you did work for the parks department, um, how did you prepare that quote and that invoice? And he's like, oh, I, yeah, let me show you. And he pulls out a notepad. I'm saying this big. I'm showing a mark six right. inches wide by four inches. You know, so like a receipt inch, book. Like a receipt book. Not even a receipt book. A okay. Okay. Like with the with the black and white cover that you would use. You know, in, in elementary school. Got it. And he had it written down in there. And I said, "Well, I'm glad you wrote it down. <laughs> like you. That's actually he's actually ahead of the game. Yeah, you've not done nothing. I said, but that's not going to last you very long because I said, you're good and you're, you're a fair price. You're good. You're very likable. So you're going to grow. And, and he's like, I've already grown. You know, he's like, since I've moved here, he's like, I do twice as many jobs as I did two, three months ago. Yes. You're going to get lost really soon. And the same is true for the embroiderer. When we go to, when you go to a shop or when you see somebody and they open up this, this tazzled up notebook of the jobs they did and ripped out pages and lost stuff. You don't have to be a genius, organized, super accountant, but you've got to do all your accounting. You've got to keep things filed and organized and have a plan. We, we normally don't do specific product recommendations. Uh, that's not true. We do them all the time. But normally outside our industry, we don't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I'm going to go out on a limb. Just buy QuickBooks. Just, just buy QuickBooks. It's an Intuit accounting software. It's, it's pretty simple to use. It's $300 maybe. I don't remember the last time I purchased it. But as part of your business, just spend a minute, get QuickBooks. It will help you create an invoice. It will help you price your jobs. It will help you keep track of when you need to pay your taxes. All these things that will creep up on you. And there's also there's, uh, there's FreshBooks and there's Zoho Accounting there, there's, there's a, a bunch there's of a them. bunch of them out there. Get just get on Google, Yahoo, and search small business accounting, and you'll find a bunch. Find the one that's easy for you. Right. Invest in it. It's going to help you out a bunch, and they're they're all going to do a thousand things more than you need. So just find the ones that you need to do. Watch YouTube videos, and all of those are going to have a bunch of free YouTube videos to teach how to use it. Um, locally, you might even be able to take a course or even a community college course or one of those you know, learning center courses where it's 10 hours on, on QuickBooks or FreshBooks, just do that because that I, I 100% guarantee that the folks who do that 
are more likely to be successful than the folks who've got a rattled up, torn up notebook that forget to do orders, forget to collect money. I had a mechanic. I, this is this is reminds this story is just amazing to me. I had a mechanic that did some work for me in my car, and he said, "Pay me half up front because he had to order a whole bunch of stuff and pay me half later." Great. So, so long story short, um, there was an issue with the delivery of the car. I couldn't pick it up. I got a buddy of mine that's going to be in your area. I'll, I'll just he'll bring it there, and then he's got to run some errands, and I'll pick him up later. Don't worry about it. Thanks, man. How am I going to pay you? I'm just. I'll call you next week. All right, it was like Friday. Okay. So Friday afternoon, the, I got my car delivered to my work. What awesome customer service. It looked awesome. I mean, I, I had a really good experience. So about 10 days goes by, and I'm going through kind of my bank account doing some stuff, and I said, I never paid. I owe this guy like $1,000. And I had the $1,000 sitting aside. Wow. And he never called me to ask for him. So I drove by his shop, and I said, you know I owe you $1,000. And he's like, oh, yeah. Wow. So he pulls out his book, just the, the spiral notebook, all rattled wow. up, and he writes $1,000, and he checks it off that I paid it to him, and I give him the check. Wow. And, and there, that's going to happen to you if you don't do your accounting. Please don't be that guy. <laughs> it Please will, though. Do not be it that will. Guy. It will, because you'll forget to collect the deposit, and you'll order shirts, and then they never come pick them up. You'll forget to collect the final payment. Whatever it's going to be, you will. How will you? How will you not if you don't keep track of it? How will you never? How are you going to say you never forget unless you have a, the most amazing memory in the world? And your email account is not your accounting system. So just because you have something written down in an email, it's not the same as an invoice. It's not the same as a purchase order. It's not the same as anything having to do with an actual accounting system. Correct, because email is communication software. Right, and you are actually will have to do your taxes at some point. And the notebook and a stack of random receipts is not going to be enough to do it correctly. It's going to be a challenge, and you're going to end up paying Uncle Sam more than you should have. But not not that you not that you're finding loopholes. Literally, just more than you should more than Uncle Sam wants you to pay. You know, <laughs> he's he's going to ask for a certain amount of money, and if you're not organized in what you do, you're not going to be right, and you're going to pay more than he asked for. Whatever, because of whatever money. he wants. Right. Yeah, because of what you documented. Okay, so that is enough uh, on accounting because, frankly, it depresses me just a little bit. <laughs> um, let's talk about one of my other big pet peeves with people that start a business is a complete lack of cash on hand. Yeah, yes. So you are going to need a bank account and cash on hand beyond what you just spend on purchasing equipment. And you're going to need it for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're going to have to be able to order supplies in advance and have supplies on hand. Because someone is going to come in one day and they're going to want 250 shirts. You're not going to have enough backing. And if you don't have a bank account with a little bit of cash on hand, a little bit of float, then you're going to be calling your old customers and asking them to pay bills right now so you can order thread and backing for this job. Yeah, yeah, you're going to you're going to become a you're going to become a collector and so you can stay in business to do your next job. And I think also the the cash doesn't always have to be literal. Uh, if your investment is through a credit card or credit or a uh, a home finance loan or whatever it might be, 
You just need to have some liquid availability. Right. Because when you get that embroidery machine, you know, you'll get a call. Say, if you, if, if you got a machine from Coldesi, you would get a call from Coleman and Company, and one of our representatives would explain to you about all the supplies that you're going to get. And you're going to get a nice stack with your machine to practice with, to learn with. But, that, but that's what those are for. So we sell these embroidery kits that I'm going to plug for a quick second. You know, there's, a, there's like the essential kit that's got all the little things that you're going to need to have on hand, like a bunch of oil for your machine and an air can to clean it and some tools. And there's a popular kit, which all of our most popular items, and there's a professional kit that's you're ready to do production. In, in my opinion, not just because I do the marketing and sales for this, but just because it makes sense, if everybody got the professional kit, if everybody had enough supplies in the beginning to do all the work that you need, your life's going to be easier. But part of that is having the cash on hand so you can go through and you can order 10 cones of thread and a giant roll of backing and all of these things that you, you're going to need. Yes. You need them. Yes. That's and, it. And so supplies is definitely a big deal. What you don't want to be is you don't want to be that, that vendor like I've been in several circumstances where I've called to get paid for other jobs, other kinds of work, and things like that. And the response that I get is, well, my customer hasn't paid me yet, so I'm not going to be able to pay you until they do. Yeah. So you can't, you can't be that person. You can't be that company. That's not the way business should work. So you should have enough cash on hand to keep your inventory um, up to snuff, to take advantage of opportunities for supply deals and things like that that Mark just mentioned. But also, I have to educate you on the hard realities of starting a business. You may not make a paycheck your first month. So you may not hit the ground in such a way where I just quit my job making $30,000 a year or $50,000 a year or whatever it is. I just quit this job completely to start my embroidery business because I figured out that I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. And the end of that first month comes, and you've gotten half the jobs that you've expected. Or you make twice the mistakes up front. You have got to have cash or credit on hand so that you can pay your mortgage and fill the, you know, fill the refrigerator with groceries while you get your business up Yeah, the, the cash is not just buying supplies and marketing and buying software and learning how to use accounting software of all the things that we talked about the cash for, but the cash might be paying your salary. Yes. I will, I will go so far as to say this, because I've had a lot of small business experience. If you cannot go for 90 days with the cash that you have in the bank, not making a dime from your new business, then you should probably wait a little bit before you start it. Or, or, or wait a little bit before you go full on. Right. So I, I, I can't tell you how many times that I've talked to folks that they wanted to start the business, but they don't have a ton of cash. So they start it small, and they start it on the weekends. Nights do and it. weekends. Do great. it. Do it. And then, and, but I've gotten the email and the phone call, Mark, I literally just, I just quit my job, and I'm calling you from the car leaving on my, leaving on my last day that I quit my job because we're finally to the point where we see enough money coming in and we've done the math that we can afford to still pay our bills. You know, Larry, he hasn't quit his job yet, but I have. 
That's you know? amazing. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, and and because they did the math and they said now we can we can still pay for our kids' school. We can still pay our mortgage. We know it's going to be tighter, which is cool to do that. You know, but they've done the math to say. But and I said, okay, well, well, what's your plan then? What do you? How are you going to get more business then so you could do that? And they said, well, of that money, we've got five hundred dollars a month. That is our. I don't know what it's for yet, but we've got five hundred dollars. You're month making that, that up. I you're, swear. You're making that I up. I swear. And the, these folks from Kentucky, and okay. I remember them very vividly because it was one of the first times that somebody said that. You right. know, said that to me, and and um, we we could be jaded because so many people in the business in the small business startup world don't don't think about all this stuff, but they're folks who do, and they and they win. I've got the opposite story. All right, I, I love it then. I yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's not great because we had a customer that bought multiple pieces of equipment. And I put it out there all the time that if you need marketing help, if you want to talk about marketing your business, if you've got an issue or you want to talk about whether or not you need a website, you guys are all welcome to call me. Okay, or send me an email. I'm sure Mark feels the same way. We love this stuff. We're well, happy to we help. We have a new email address. Yes, we do. Let's talk about it now. Yeah, okay. It's host at caspodcast.com. So host, as in hosts of the show, right. H-O-S-T at C-A-S, custom apparel startups, right. podcast.com. And uh, well, we have a contact form on the website as well. Great. So you can just go to the website and hit the contact button and fill it out. Uh, I, I get, every time somebody asks some, some questions about sales and marketing and startups, I get excited about it. Yeah. I know Mark does. He gets giddy and jumps around. I do. Stuff. It's embarrassing a little bit. <laughs> it is embar- it's embarrassing to me that I know you for but, that. But let me tell my sad story. <laughs> okay. Now that we know where people can get help, let me tell my sad story. A couple bought, actually a woman bought um, a DTG printer and embroidery machine, and she got a sign system from another vendor. And she calls me up and says, Mark, you know, I really need some advice on starting up a website. And I'm like, okay, great. Tell me about your business. Well, we've got our equipment. We move into our retail space this week. And I go in for training next week. My son can do all the graphics for the website. What do I do? So what that tells me is that she bought th- at least three pieces of equipment. So let's say she spent $70,000 on starting her business. She signed up for at least a six to eight month lease on retail space. And her employee is her son, which she's probably not going to pay. That's just a recipe. And they haven't even gotten trained on the equipment yet. So I've got everything that we talked about. No plan, no marketing plan, uh, no marketing budget. She's spending all of her money on equipment and retail space. Um, She hasn't done the math. How could she? She doesn't know how much it costs to be in business yet. Uh, So she hasn't done that. There's no profitability analysis for each job or each piece of equipment. Uh, You know, she asked me, how do I get business? I don't, you don't have a marketing budget and things like that. I'm I'm like, well, you're just going to have to do it the way I would. That's throw some samples into a car and start driving. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to do it. Yeah. And, and it's, so, it's, it's such a tricky situation. But this, this reminds me of, of, of another mistake that I don't think is on our initial list, but it's related to this. Okay. Is that, so what's going to happen to her 
And what's going to happen to too many embroiderers and printers, everybody, is it drives me nuts when somebody comes into class. Oh, I'm so excited. Why? Oh, on, uh, I got my first order for 300 hats to deliver on the, at, by the end of the month. And, and I sold them for 25 bucks a piece, which is great because maybe they even did a little plan. Right. You know, $25 is, like, is the number that I wrote down. Right. You know, that means I make money. Awesome. Um, you don't know how to run a machine. <laughs> and now you're here training on the 22nd. Now, it's not terribly hard to learn. And the salespeople will say that because it's not. Right. It's true. But, but you're putting yourself in a really sticky situation. So if you're opening up a store, I'm moving into my storefront next week. All right. Let's. You'll probably get some walk-in traffic. Yes. You're going to get somebody who comes in and says, I need 50 shirts and a sign. Yes. Okay, well, you're, you're, gonna, you're probably going to have an unhappy customer because you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. You're going to rush. You're going to be stressed. Um, you're going to make a mistake on the machine, possibly put your machine out of order for a day. You're going to call up a technician. You're going to be upset. I have to deliver the... Why are, why are you making a promise to do that? You wouldn't do that in, in... You wouldn't invite all of your friends over and say to make consomme when you've never cooked before. I don't even know what consomme yeah, is. Yeah, well, that's, this, that's, the, that's why I right, use that, that as the example. Sure it is. Because that's the equivalent. Right. That's the equivalent is you don't even know how an embroidery machine works or a printer works. Don't make a promise to somebody that you're going to deliver. Eight days might be a long time, but... It's a long time for somebody who knows what they're doing. Right, and that actually is one of the points that we've got. It's it's the last one we're slated to, to talk about, and that's no restraint. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So there you go. that just demonstrates no restraint, either from, mostly from enthusiasm. Like, I've got this business, you know, okay, so I've got my single-head embroidery machine. I learned how to use it this week. Next week, I'm going to go visit Coca-Cola in Atlanta, and I'm going to take that corporate account. And if you get it, you'll be out of business in about a minute. So then, before we go too deep into there, I, since we're, we were hovering around accounting and money, let's talk about no profit, which is when, when, I had, when we had discussed this list. That was the one that kind of popped in the most. Yep. And we've discussed it a little bit. Uh, but, but you've got to prepare yourself to make money. And, and I think that that is, it's a huge mistake because it, that gets lost in the mix somewhere. Is, is making money somehow gets lost in the mix, which, which is so counterintuitive. Well, as a salesperson, though, I talk to people with bad attitudes about selling all the time. Yeah, okay. Like, people undervalue their, their efforts. And that goes to that two times what it costs mm -hmm. kind of approach to pricing your work. You have to realize how much you and your time are worth. And you have to build in profit. So if you want to make, for example, uh, we've got one customer in the rhinestone business, and the way she prices out a job is she takes how long it's going to take her, how much she wants to make an hour, and then she adds in her supply costs. And that's how she prices out a job. And that is actually kind of reasonable because she's never going to lose money that way. Yeah. But profit is the money that is 
above and beyond what it takes for you to run your business. And that includes your salary. Yeah, and it also includes reinvestment in your business. Should be, should be you know That should be part of it too. So if you want to have a marketing budget to grow to the next level, then you need that needs to be part of that's part of the cost. You're yes. not at profit yet. So if you're eventually you're going to hit these walls and plateaus and such when you're in your business where if you're if you're on foot, if you started on foot like you said, take samples, put them in the car. Yes. That the, the problem that you turn into that is that becomes that becomes an ocean business, a wave because you can spend you spend 2 weeks in the car, then 2 weeks in production. Then two weeks in the car. Right, because you're going out to do sales, and then you get a sale, and then you have to fulfill. And then you fulfill. So you've you've not if and you might be making the money you want to make when you're doing the production, but then you're poor the next week. Right. So you're hustling again. Sounds like sales. Yeah, and that's what sales is. So what you have to do is how can you minimize those waves? And that's part of the budget and the profit that you're built in. That's part of making the money. Is that part of that money is saying what's my next step? Well, my next step is hiring a production person. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, I want to make sure that I've got a couple months' worth of salary in the bank for them. Yes. So I can start paying them, but I don't have to make that money right away so I'm not losing money immediately. You know, whatever that plan might be for you, or it might be, I don't want to get in the car anymore. I want to get a billboard. I want to I pay. There's a bench right at the beginning of my shop that's, that's been open that nobody's been advertising on. I want to put my sign there so every single person that drives by sees my sign shop is here or my embroidery shop is here. Whatever it is, you've got a plan for that, and that's got to be part of the, the profit. Yeah, and profit, just so we know, is not only what you are going to make above and beyond 100% of your expenses uh, and your your margins on your the product that you sell, you can think of profit as when you settle up at the end of the month and you have paid yourself, you've paid your bills, you have enough supplies in, in-house to fulfill the next set of jobs, the profit is what's left over in the bank that you don't have to spend on anything. You don't have to spend it on anything. Yes. So now that's, that's your dream money right there. If I've got 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks left over at the end of the month, it's just in the bank and I don't need to use it to make a car payment or to fix my machine, or to spend it on anything, now I can take that and I can say, okay, wow, if I can do this for the next two months, I can maybe reinvest and add another piece of equipment, or I can reinvest and add a salesperson, or I can reinvest in bringing on some production help or get a website done or whatever it is. Profit is dream money at the, ever, at the end of every month. And if you don't have, or until you have, that amount of money at the end of the month, you're not actually in business. Yeah, you you've bought a job. Yeah, and, and you've got so you've got a level. If you if you can get to zero, that's a level of success. It is. It that's is. A, it's a level of success. So so you shouldn't beat yourself up if in month four you've done your numbers and you hit zero. That that's a level of success. However, how long is that sustainable for? Because what happens if you fall and knock your machine over and you've got now uh, $1,800 in repairs. Yeah. You know, all of these unexpected things um, that that can come along the or, way. Or God forbid you should want to go on vacation. Yeah. Oh, Forget oh it gosh. because your business is closed. So until you have that profit in the bank, what you've really done is you've started a business and you are a business person and you have a plan and you're going to grow. 
but until you have profit in the bank, then you are basically working for yourself. In other words, you have a job, you don't have a business yet. Yeah. So, so profit is something that you need to think about every day. It's one of those things on that list. How am I going to get new customers? How much can I spend on getting new customers? How much time can I spend? Do I have all my accounting in place so I know where the money's coming from and where it's going? Do I have cash in the bank that's just there so I have growth and emergency money? The next thing on the list would definitely be, do I have extra money at the end of the month? Profit. You've got to. And you've got to make that a goal at least. Yes. I think you, so you don't have to do that month one or two or four or eight even, you know, but that's got to be what it is. That's got to be what it is. So, because you're going to, you might not take a vacation that first year or two years, whatever it might be, but you should plan for all of those things. How am I going to take for vacations? How am I going to grow? How am I going to scale when I hit a plateau? And all those things require that profit in the bank. And, and I, I think that this, we've, we've got to dive into and, and, and get towards our wrap-up in going back to that restraint right. that we talked about before right. because that's really tricky. Uh, and what do we mean by restraint? The, the restraint meaning that it's fine to say no when you're talking to customers. It's fine to say that I can't do it for that price. It's fine to say I can't fulfill that job because you're going to get yourself in trouble if you don't learn that. Right. It's big orders and small orders. So what's going to happen when people find out that you have an embroidery machine and you do this kind of work, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to hear from your church, any charity that you're involved in, any run. You're going to people that hear from people that are looking to get stuff for free. Absolutely. So that's the first thing that people are going to do. They're, they're assuming that because you have money to spend on a machine and you're going into business that you would be happy to do charity work, especially to start out. Yeah, and, and guess what? If you've got that, if you've got a marketing budget right, and you can do an event right. where, say, it is a charity walk and they, they've asked you to make 150 hats for it and you have the opportunity to put a business card in every hat because you know that the people who are walking our business owners and decision makers in, in, in small businesses and people on the school board and HOA and, and all of these things, well, then, then you've got a marketing budget and then you can make the choice to say, this I believe this is a good marketing opportunity for me. I get to A, do something good for the community, B, get my name out to a whole bunch of people. That's marketing. Uh, but that's not something that, if it's not part of your marketing budget, then you've got to say no. If you have you have to be in a position to do something like yes. that. Yes. Because in the end, what you'll end up is you'll you'll end up spending five hundred or eight hundred dollars on hats and supplies and embroidery. You'll end up spending a week or two doing a job and end up getting no money for it. And it's not just the time it takes to do the, that kind of work, because you're not doing something profitable during that time. Yes, you haven't you haven't spent that time selling. That's kind of that's what you call opportunity cost. Yeah. So if you spend eight hours doing one thing, what else could you have been doing that's more profitable for those eight hours? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that that also comes down to you had mentioned. I think there's I think there's three or four possibly you know big orders, small orders. Yes. The free stuff, and then the, and then unreasonable price requests. Right. Um, pricing too low. So what will happen 
I, we've actually spoken about this a couple of times, and but I would be fine talking about it in every episode because it's a challenge. Um, that somebody comes to you, they want 50 hats embroidered. Okay, yes. they're going to be $20 a piece, but an arbitrary number. Well, so-and-so said they'll do them for 15 Right. Okay, so now you have a choice. Okay, um, are they bluffing? Who knows? But are you willing to do it for 15 No. Not are you willing to do it for 15 because you might be because you don't have anything else okay. to do. Okay, oh, yeah, good. No, that's a good way. Is that's... it profitable to do it for yes. 15 Is it profitable enough to fit your plan... To do it for fifteen. Yeah, that's actually that's much better phrasing of it because that's exactly what it is. Is 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 and there's all there's always decisions to be made in these. Uh, one thing that I mentioned to Mark before when when this list came up is if somebody comes and I want, can you make me a hat? I want to make one for my uncle. It's his birthday. Blah blah blah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That hat's gonna be. You do your math across the board and you're like, well, if I'm really gonna do this one hat, I want to charge thirty five dollars for it. So you tell them that, and they say that's preposterous or whatever, whatever they they say would yes never or no. actually say that. Yeah, but yeah, okay. But yeah. they may say yes or no. Well, you've got choices sometimes to make where I think you can deviate from the plan because I'm a per- I'm not a hard rule type of person generally. Okay. If the person that you're talking to is the president of the homeowners association of a thousand unit condo complex, maybe it's worth it to say. You know what? I met your uncle. He's a good guy. You said it's his birthday. I'm gonna do it for him. I'm new to this thing. Um, what I all I ask for in return is refer me some. Would you refer me some business? See, and that that's definitely worthwhile. If that's why you're doing it, and if you decide in advance, yes, it's not a it's not a heartstrings kind of a thing, because you'll end up. You know, if you just want to do somebody a favor and do that, you'll end up spending your business time doing favors. Instead of making money, yeah, there should always be a reward at the end for you, right. because it's because it's your business. There's nothing wrong with doing favors and nice things, but at minimum, you know, at minimum, if you've made the choice ahead of time to do that favor or nice thing or whatever it is, or do something at a discounted price, at minimum, you have to say, "I'm doing you this favor in return." The yes. way you can pay it back to me. This is what I would normally charge for this hat. Mm-hmm. But because you're going to send me at least 10 referrals, yeah. I'm happy to do it for free. Yeah. And and you can and there's you can ask for something concrete like send me 10 referrals. You can also say how about this? I'll I'm going to do this for your uncle because I know him and he's a nice guy. I'm going to ask all I want back from you. Can you give me 3 people? That I can mail, call, stop by, see, whatever it might be, that might be in business to buy embroidery from me. Yes, yeah, so I, love that, someone, I love that idea. You know, that idea. can you just tell me who they are? Tell me the name. Okay. Oh well, the, I know who I know who I can send you to go talk to. It's gonna. It's Bob. He's the guy. He's the he's the guy who runs the golf course, and they always have tons of embroidery stuff they sell. For, I don't know where they buy from or what they do. Yes, that's fine. Can I use your name? Yes. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you, Bob is really close to me. You 
tell them I sent you over. All right, now we're gonna do a <laughs> now we're gonna do a podcast on how to ask for referrals. So yeah. I'm gonna write that down right now. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about about restraint that, that you brought up is um, it's really kind of back to the to the pricing and planning and things like that. Is some people have a problem saying that'll be a thirty five dollar hat. Yeah, and they have a problem saying that because they would never spend thirty five dollars on a hat. And they don't think they're worth $35 in time. You've got to get over both of those things. The goal in pricing and and in your quest for profitability here is not to charge the lowest price you can possibly charge and still pay your grocery bill. And that's what I find a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly for some reason in the embroidery field, uh, try to do. They try to figure out, okay, what's the lowest price that I could possibly charge? And still, you know, maybe I won't go to the movies this week, you know, and still have, you know, still make a little bit of money and have the customer buy it. It, Your embroidery, if somebody is willing to pay for something, a price, that's what it's worth. Right. That's how you determine your price. You know, in real estate, the value of your house is not what your neighbor's house sold for. It's not what you think it's worth or the sentimental value. Right. If somebody comes and says, I will give you $200,000 for this house, and they're willing to write a check, that's what the house is worth. That's literally how they they price out what houses are worth or what are people paying for it. So that's all it is. So so if somebody's willing to spend $35 for the hat, it's worth it to them. Yes. If they're willing to spend fifty dollars for a hat, that it is worth it. So it is worth that, and I, and I would one little caveat is the other end of the spectrum. Uh, don't be a jerk and so narcissistic <laughs> that you say, "Well, I'm not going to do anything unless I make fifty or a hundred dollars." So then somebody asks me for a hat, and I say, "It's a hundred dollars." Right. Well, just pass. Yeah. Just pass on the job. Just pass on the job. Right. Don't turn around and and you can say that, and you can say. Yeah. This is my time is 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 very busy and it's taken up. Uh, I normally don't do single jobs because of the fact of what I would have to charge to do that. I, it might be unreasonable, um, you know. And, that, and I don't know how you would word it. But. Well, that's a good that's a good that's a good point as far as your marketing plan goes because pricing is part of that. And what you might want to do, and it also uh, speaks to the no restraint, you know, because people will take like a one-piece job or a five-piece job and there's just no way that's going to be profitable if they don't charge enough, is you may decide that you want to take those jobs, but there's going to have to be a setup fee. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out what your minimum charge is that's going to make you a profit. And if somebody wants one hat, well, the hat may only be $15, but because of the time it takes you to get everything ready and everything, one hat... It's going to cost you $35 because there's a $15 setup fee. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a great way to actually start that. Yes. Where if you say, generally I have a minimum order of 10 for right. a reason. Uh, because I have to charge a $20 or $25 or $50. I mean, if there's custom digitizing involved, it might be a $50 setup fee. Yes, absolutely. So, so I, charge, I have a $50 setup fee, and the problem is, is that when somebody wants a custom digitized hat, it's not... They, they don't feel it's worth that $50 plus the actual cost to make it work. Right. So that's why I, I, so I do have a minimum order. However, I'm willing to, if you really want one hat, I'm willing to work with you, but it, it's got to be at least this. And it's not because I want to charge you that for one hat, but it's just that's the way I stay in business. 
No. And, and most people, I, I think most people will respect it if you say, this is how I stay in business. I'm in, I, you know, I have to be able to make money and pay my bills and I have to, my business has to be profitable and this is how, I, and this is why I have a 10 minimum. However, I'm willing to work with you, but the, the fee might be there. You may not get the order, yeah, but at least you'll you will not. Uh, I'd rather you spend an hour watching Oprah than an hour doing unprofitable business because that you're going backwards. Zero is better than going backwards. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm gonna say one more thing on my soapbox of pricing. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, and because uh, my partner Mark here has more experience in the in actually doing embroidery, because I cannot run an embroidery machine and he can. <laughs> Um, and I talk to people all the time who base their pricing on stitch count. And I know that's an industry standard. Everybody does this. And as a marketing and sales guy, that drives me crazy. Because what Mark just said was true. When somebody prices out your house, they do not count the number of cinder blocks it takes to build it. They're not counting the number of two-by-fours that it takes to put drywall on. What they're doing is they're seeing what the value of the house is to the community and to the people that are looking into purchasing it. So I don't care what the stitch count is. You know, if someone wants to come and they want an embroidered cap or they want 150 polos, what I care is what is the price that the market will bear. So I might, as part of my little marketing exercise in the beginning, I might go, okay, in my area, if someone wants 24 uniforms with embroidered company logos on them, how much do people pay? Yeah. What is the average charge? And am I going to be a little bit less than that so I can get the uh, business in the beginning? Or I'm, am I going to be a little bit more than that because I'm going to offer quicker delivery or better service or, or something else? Yeah, you're going to be more of a perfectionist in the work. So the stitch count thing is an interesting thing to me. I think it is... It's a nice rule of thumb to go by, but it, it but it can't be anything more than that because you can have a ten thousand stitch design that takes that could be double the time to embroider. How many trims are in it? Right. How long are the stitches? You know, um, is it is it fill stitches that are just blasting through, or is it satin stitches that are going over foam? You know, um, are there stops in the machine? Does it, how many color changes are there? A single color with, a single color red with 10,000 stitches is a lot easier to embroider than a 5,000 stitch count with eight different colors. And since we're talking to a bunch of entrepreneurs here that are probably just getting started, they're not going to know any of that. Yeah. You know, they're not going to know. They're going to do a design or have a design digitized and they're going to count the number of stitches and then they're going to do whatever dollar per stitch or, you know, whatever it is. And then they're going to multiply it times two. And then they're going to use that for their price. When the guy down the street may have charged three times as much for the same project. Yeah. And so it's, it's a nice way to do some basic math. Yep. You know, or, or, or give an estimate. So if somebody says, well, how much to do this? And you look at it. And as you get more experience, you'll look and you'll say, well, this is probably going to be ten or 15,000 stitches. Rule of thumb is, say, $1.50 for every 1,000 stitches. So this is probably going to be somewhere around ten or fifteen just for the embroidery. Yes. But, you know, but. Right. What I need to do is take a look at this logo, look at how it's going to digitize, 
look at the color changes, look at the let me do a little bit of research on it, and then I can give you an exact price. I like that idea. Because because you might you might need to deliver some sort because sometimes a lot of times when folk if they've never ordered embroidery, they have no clue what it's gonna cost. Yes. They don't know if it's gonna be five dollars a hat or forty dollars a hat. So it's fair to give a range, especially because you also in the restraint, you know, you have to be able to to let those people that walk away that aren't going to pay. You don't want to spend all this time on folks who find out it's twenty five dollars. Oh, I didn't know it was going to cost five hundred dollars. Never mind. Well, how much how much time did you spend to get to that point? Yes. So in the beginning, when you need to give that estimate, you could look at it. Well, the average logo is ten thousand stitches, and it's usually going to be about ten dollars to embroider it, and then it's about ten dollars for the hat. That's that's about as rough as I can give you because you're asking me for kind of a, a, a quote, but there's a lot of factors involved. What kind of hat do you want? Is it fitted or not? Do I need to order multiple sizes? How many stitches is it? How many colors is it? Uh, what sizes do you need? Do you want Nike or generic? So these are all reasons why I'm going to, This is. these are all reasons why I'm going to give you this estimate of this is going to be close to this. However, it can be really far off if you have loftier goals. But what I'm going to do for you is, I'm going to come to see you. You're going to come to see me. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the exact details of you want and the quantity. And then I'm going to take that information. I'm going to provide you with an accurate quote. For them, it's going to be an educated quote that they're going to get their information. For you, it's going to be profitable. If you get the order. So part, if you get the order. Part of yeah. the no restraint thing that, that we've talked about before on the small orders is if it's not going to be profitable, you have to feel comfortable in saying no. The same thing goes on the big orders. So even if you get that order for somebody walks into the shop or, or you meet somebody on the street and they want to get a thousand polos or a thousand hats done, are you going to say yes and is that going to run you out of business? Mm -hmm. Because the things that you're going to have to look at, let's be a little bit more realistic. Let's say you end up getting in with a plumbing company who's got... 500 employees and they want all new hats uh, but there's a convention in two weeks and they want it in two weeks so if you take that order and you're not able to fill it what's going to happen to your business well you're still going to order all those hats in so you're going to have those you're still going to order all the supplies in so you're going to have that in stock and you could possibly you know lose the opportunity for future business because you can't fulfill the order so you have to be able to say no because you don't have the capabilities internally to complete the task. You also have to know that if there is if there's an embroidery shop that's got two 12-head machines or four four-head machines, something to that effect, uh, and and they and you're being shopped, you've got a single head or maybe a, or or two single heads, maybe you're small, and then the shop down the road that they might be shopping against has four four-head machines. They can do it for cheaper. In in 16 times faster. And 16 times faster. Uh, and so and they probably have more experience. So yes. that's going to also give them a little bit of an advantage. So you're not going to be able to price compare to that. So sometimes that answer might have to be, hey, I'm shopping around for embroidery. This is what I need. And, and your answer might be, I'm a boutique shop. Right. If you want an individual name on every hat, I'm probably the person to talk to. But if you want the fastest, cheapest delivered on this, that I'll, I'll be happy to quote you. But I but. want you to know ahead of time that I don't have 16 embroidery heads here. I've got two 
Why? Because I specialize in boutique, small orders, customization. I love that approach. I love that approach. And then, so that, so, and what I can deliver for you is I can tell you that every single hat's going to be perfect, that if you want them customized, I'll customize every single one for you, and you're going to be happy with every single thing that's going to get delivered, but I can't do it as cheap. I, as the as if you're shopping around, I'm not the cheapest in town on that. That kind of respect will earn yeah. you some business that yeah. you would be surprised, even though you're more expensive. Yeah, I, I agree. So you'll maintain your profitability. Because remember, even if it's a big order, and it may be the first $4,000 order you've ever gotten, just because they're willing to pay you $4,000 doesn't mean it's profitable. It's a profitable $4,000 for you. Because it may take you more time, may take you more effort than you're willing to or capable of investing. So the other part of that is going to be saying no because of terms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in the embroidery and in, and in other businesses, if you get approached by a big company and they want a large order or, honestly, even a medium-sized order or every order, frequently they will want to give you a purchase order for it. And the government is actually notorious for this. So yeah. if you get a government job. So let's say you get a $1,000 or $1,200 purchase order from a local company that you know and you respect well, guess how many, what percentage of companies actually pay their bills within 30 days after they get the invoice? It's a really low number. Mm -hmm. Most of the time what happens is that 30 days, they'll, they'll pay their bills every, every two weeks, and your 30 days will be one day after the last time they paid their bills, so it'll be another two weeks. And if you don't have that cash in the bank that we've talked about a couple of different times, then you're not getting paid for that order on time. You may not have the money to get the supplies or do the marketing to get the next order. Yeah, and you don't know their financial situation. You don't know if they're about to go out of business. Um, you don't know if how many bills they haven't paid on time or never paid. It's a tricky situation. Um, my Generally, my thought on doing that type of purchase order, you know, a credit is yes, really what it it's is. Credit. It's credit. Um, you you need to be cautious about that as a startup. Um, when is it worth it? And and I I I'm gonna tune it right to your marketing budget. Is you need to be prepared that, to not get paid on that. Right. That's why. That's one of the reasons why you should always get a deposit up front before you start embroidering too. Yeah. So you should at least have your supply cost covered. I think. Yeah. So you're not out those numbers. I mean, it's still. Could be a complete waste of time. At some point during your career, within the first year or two that you start your business, someone is not going to pay you. Yeah, somebody's not going to pick up. Yeah, actually, you're gonna have somebody's there. If if you're doing it doing it right, you're gonna take your deposit, say twenty five, fifty percent, whatever yeah. number was. You're gonna take the deposit. You're gonna make the hats. You're never gonna hear from them again. Right. And Odd. It could be for a lot of reasons, but. It'll, it's definitely it gonna could happen. be it could be it could be anything from them literally dying right to them being out of business to them just being a crazy person I mean you don't right. know it, it's gonna be all of those things or the person that handled that whole deal got fired yeah you know or and the new person in charge is like listen that, that wasn't an approved budget thing we're not doing it so so it's a risk anytime that you're do yet you're gonna deal with not being paid up front um, you know with with certain organizations, I would feel more comfortable with. If it was me and it was a school board, 
They'll they'll pay eventually. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say, oh, I'm, they're probably gonna pay me. I would feel very very high. They're gonna pay me. Um, if it's if it's a local small business and they're asking for that, that is that's always gonna leave me to be a little bit leery. It means they don't have enough room on their credit card. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Yeah, which which is, makes me uncomfortable. Right. Why 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 are you gonna go? You don't do that anywhere else. You don't right. do that at the grocery store. You right. know, um, so there's nothing wrong with putting your foot down. I take a deposit every time. You know, do you want to know why? I've been burned. Right. So part of that no restraint thing is to not be swayed by the thought of a huge order when someone is waving a PO at you. You know, you've got to, you've got to keep your head. Somebody is waving a, a purchase order at you for $10,000 worth of stuff, and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to make so much money. I'm definitely going to take that deal. As a matter of fact, I'll waive the deposit because they don't do that. They're a big company. They don't do deposits or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just going to do the job. They're definitely going to pay me. And then in, in 85 days after you deliver the order, you're going and knocking on doors trying to get somebody to write you a check. Okay, so have restraint with the big orders to make sure that you have the capability to do them, have the time to do them, can do them profitably, and have a solid expectation of getting paid for them. Have restraint for the small orders to make sure that you are doing every one of them profitably, either from a marketing perspective, or you're actually going to charge a setup fee, or some other way going to re- recoup the, the right amount to get paid for that job. In other words, for me, just always balance your risk and your reward for every situation that you're going to do. And maybe taking that $10,000 PO is a great business decision. Maybe it isn't. That's for you to make. Right. That's a decision for you to make. So the, I think that in the restraint, the restraint is, is not necessarily saying no. The restraint is taking the time to think about it and taking the time to balance the risk and the reward and the business decision. I like that. That is a much softer way to put that because <laughs> you know I'm a no kind of a guy. I really Yeah, I really but I think am. I think it's a balance. It's a balance because sometimes that that PO might mean might mean the difference. That yes on that PO might be what turns your business from a small startup to a, a six-figure a year. It could be. And maybe maybe a conversation with the, the person that's writing the PO or that's going to write the check in advance uh, would help. Yeah, so, so you balance there. And then the small job, too. Making one hat for one person could be the difference between uh, them referring you to $100,000 worth of business, let's say if it's the president of that HOA. So it's all the risk and reward, and you balance it. Don't let... Uh, don't let green, you know, flood your eyes and okay. brain, you okay. know. Um, so it's all a decision, and they're not easy to make. So the rest- I think for me, for me, the restraint is thinking about it every time, and and and, and don't be, don't be afraid to say no. Right. I'd say the only thing I would I would change about that is I would start with don't be afraid to say no. Yeah. And I, then and then and then I would say. Think about it before you say no. Yeah, I actually, I agree with that. Okay. I, I do agree with that. All right, so guess what I'm going to do? Today, I'm going to let you do the recap of the of the biggest mistakes made starting in a oh, what an uh, what an adventure business. it's been. So, so, so we'll start off with, start, for, start with a plan. Don't, 
not have a plan. You remember, these are things, these are mistakes. Yeah. Not having a plan is a mistake. True. Not doing math ahead of time is a mistake. You know, uh, how much are, how much does your business cost? What's it cost to run? Making money is part of that. Uh, backs up right into not having any accounting, not managing your invoices, your paids, your receivables, your bills, yes, uh, your supply costs, all of those things. Have accounting, as we mentioned, get software. Yes. It'll help you. It's worth the money. It doesn't have to be the most expensive one. Get something. Learn how to use it. Yes. Okay? Another mistake is having something and not mm-hmm. knowing how to use it. Right. Um, have, don't, not have any money available. That's a mistake. You've got to have cash on hand. You must have cash, cash for and a or credit. of reasons. Right. Yeah, cash and or credit or both. Both is preferred. Uh, another mistake is not being profitable, meaning at the end of the month, you've got money in the bank that doesn't have a job yet, per se. Right. That, the, the job the, is saving or the job is profit. You're right. The goal is not just to pay your bills. The goal is to have money left over, and that's your profit. And that's your profit. And uh, then exercise restraint, meaning say no, think about it, uh, consider big jobs and small jobs, consider profitable jobs and not profitable jobs, and consider when all those things tie into the rest of the stuff above it. So when does the non when does a job that's not profitable mean it's marketing? Right. So. And then the one that was a little side note that wasn't really a huge bullet point, but I'm going to say it again, is know how to use your equipment before you make a promise to somebody. Oh, please do that. Do that. That is the one that will cause you the most angst, the most frustrate, the cause you to be most likely to make mistakes, most likely to damage equipment, most likely to be angry at technicians, most likely to upset customers. If you make a promise on a job before you've learned to use it, I will say that that 99 times out of 100, you're going to cause undue stress to multiple people besides yourself. And here is my here's my request for you guys. We always make some kind of a request. All right. What, what's our homework? Pocket. What's our request? The homework today is I know that there are a lot of people out there that are actually in business and have run into the wrong side of everything that we've talked about yeah. in this podcast. So I'd like to hear from you. I want to be able to share your story with somebody else about how you said no to a small job and that was a mistake or you said yes to a big job and that was a mistake or you know you didn't have cash in the bank or you had to borrow this money from somebody because you didn't uh, have enough profitability built into your systems or you forgot a $10,000 invoice and didn't get paid. I want to yeah. hear those stories so that we can share it with other people. So they go to CAS, Custom Apparel Startup, caspodcast.com, or, and you can fill, hit contact. Yes. You can also email host at caspodcast.com. Our, our shiny new email address. Our shiny address. new email address. So uh, do that and tell us a story, a lesson that you've learned that you feel in some sort of altruistic way that you're going to help somebody else avoid some angst and some stress and some failure um, by a lesson that you've learned. And, and that I think that's a great piece of homework, and um, it'll probably help to reinvigorate how you learn that lesson and, and teach yourself something new while you're, write, while you're writing that. So, so contact us about it. And as always, we appreciate your time and attention, and we hope the ramblings of the Customer Apparel Startups podcast 
helps your business be more successful. Absolutely. And don't forget the Facebook page and the Facebook group, CAS Podcast. It's a great community. It grows every single day. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. So we've got new episodes coming out. If this is the first one you've listened to, go back. There's some really awesome ones. Um, we just did one on sales. I, I really like that one. Yeah, that's my favorite so far. Um, I really like that one. And we've also done a couple interviews um, with NNEP and Printware. Those are good, too. They are. So We haven't um, done any bad ones, honestly. Uh, yeah. The introduction one kind of sucks. Well, that, that one isn't great. Yeah, but. It's, but it's an introduction one that's supposed to suck, I guess. Okay, that's good. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening, and visit caspodcast.com. Uh, I'm Mark Vila. And I'm Mark Stevenson. Thank you.